Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. Our opening text, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 11 and 12, talking about tapping into the glory of God. But first, I want to give this as an introduction. Wherefore also we pray always for you, that our God would count you worthy of this calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith with power. Notice those two words, the work of faith with power, that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and ye in him, according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. God's work is a work of faith with power, working together to accomplish the purposes of God in our lives. Well, that being true, then it's understandable that these two subjects are extremely important. We can't please God without faith. We can't receive from God without faith. All that Jesus died for, all that he shed his blood for, cannot be received apart from faith. We receive it all by faith. But then also we understand there's the glory and the power of God that's available to every child of God. God's not withholding his glory or his power from anyone. In Psalm 84 and verse 11, we're told our God is a sun and shield who gives grace and glory. Notice those two, grace and and glory, and no good thing will he withhold from anyone who walks uprightly. So God's not withholding anything from us. He's pouring out grace. He's pouring out glory, just as the rays of the sun continue to pour out energy, light, and life. Some of the questions we might want to ask ourselves then include, well then, how does a person get faith? Where does faith come from? How is faith released? What about the power of God? Where's the power of God come from? How can we tap into the power of God that comes from above? We'll answer those in a moment. But look at the book of Numbers, first of all, chapter 14. These verses have really been helpful to me. When I'm always asked the question about the, let's say, the marriage of faith and power coming together. And it talks about the power of God and its purpose and what it demonstrated to the Israelites. And then God's attitude toward them when they failed to use their faith to tap into that same power. So, but let's read it first. The Lord said unto Moses, how long will this people provoke me? And how long will it be ere they believe me? For all the signs which I have showed among them. Notice, how long will they believe me? For all the signs. They were shown signs of God's power like no other people group upon the planet. And he says to them, I've shown you all these powers. Now, what's going to take for you to believe me? Now, let's go on down to verse 21. But as truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. Now, think about that in context. The glory of the Lord was limited geographically. It was there. And we'll talk about that in a moment more. Because of all those men which have seen my glory and my miracles, which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness, and have tempted me now these ten times and have not hearkened to my voice, surely they shall not see the land which I swear unto their fathers, neither shall any of them 
that provoke me see it. But my servant Caleb, and because he had another spirit within him, and that followed me fully, him will I bring into the land where into he went, and his seed shall possess it. God's manifested glory produced signs and wonders and miracles. When Moses stood before Pharaoh, and all the ten plagues took place, when they came out of Egypt, and the cloud by day, the fire by night, which is a manifestation of the glory of God. The manna from heaven, the water from the rock, standing before the Red Sea, an awesome display of power as it parted, and they walked across dry land. All these wonderful manifestations of the glory and power of the living God, they saw firsthand witnesses of what God's power can do and how nothing on this earth can compare to the supernatural working of God's power and might. Supernatural meaning above natural, beyond natural. A power that transcends nature and all natural powers and abilities. So they saw all that. Well, they were brought to the border of the promised land. And at this time, God expected them to grow a little bit. And get to a place that they would respect and honor his integrity and his word. And not complain about what they saw in that promised land. Not murmur about the giants that were in the land. The obstacles that they would face. But to stand there and say, there may be giants. There may be walled cities. There may be impenetrable walls. But. Our God said he would fight for us. He said he would get us in. He would drive out the inhabitants of the land. If they would have believed that, proclaimed it, and in faith, by faith, acted upon it, they would have activated the power and the glory of Almighty God, just like Joshua and his company did so many years later. But they refused to believe God. They refused to act in faith, and activate the power of God or the glory of God. So they didn't tap into it, and they were denied entrance into the promised land. So there comes a time that when God expects people to do their part, to activate his glory. All right, where does faith come from? Anybody want to answer that question for me? By hearing and hearing by the word of God, believing that what God said is true, Romans 10, 17. How is faith Act, how is uh, faith released, rather? Look at James chapter 1, verse 17. And this is from the NIV. In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. There has to be action. There has to be a belief that what God said is true and exalted above, it, no matter what the circumstance is, the obstacles may be, and then... There must be action. There has got to be some kind of action. For them, they were to go forward and do what God told them to do. For Naaman, it was to go dip in the river seven times and come up clean. And then you can go on and on. Go wash in the pool of Siloam, etc., etc. You have to act. Speak to the mountain is acting on our faith. There has to be action to release faith. But then where does the power come from? The power comes from the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, we are told you shall receive power when? After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. 
And you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the, un, unto the uttermost part of the earth. So we see here that the power of God comes from the Holy Ghost and that it is released by faith. We have to believe in the awesome power of God and act in faith. Look in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Our faith can stand in the wisdom of men, or it can stand in the power of God. And we all have to learn to develop our faith to the degree that we exalt the power of God above the wisdom of man. No matter how smart man is, no matter what man comes up with, it can't compare. He can't compare to the power of the Most High God. And so the power of God comes from the Holy Spirit, the glory of God. And then by faith, we activate the power of God or we tap into the glory of God. So before we show these reasons how we can, look at Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 14 first. For the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. What will the earth be filled with? The knowledge of the glory of the Lord. You see, God wants us to understand or have a revelation or a knowledge of the glory of God. Well, we are living in the days of that prophecy. Why? How can I say that? Well, back then, you have to understand the glory of the Lord was limited geographically. It was in the temple, first in the tabernacle. It would manifest here or there among the Israeli people, among the nation. Where the Ark of the Covenant finally went and where it settled down, whether it would be Solomon's temple uh, and before that in the uh, tabernacle, there was the presence of the glory of God in manifestation. The fire would come down from heaven. The glory of the Lord appeared among them. The smoke filled the place where they were, and they couldn't even enter in for by reason of the cloud or the smoke or the presence of the glory of Almighty God. Well, we thank God for that. But I remember reading somewhere in Matthew's gospel that there came a time when the veil of the temple was rent in twain from top to bottom, and the Shekinah glory that was housed in the Ark of the Covenant in the temple, praise God, departed and went back to heaven, and it didn't come back until Romans chapter 6 and verse 4 was fulfilled. Let's read the verse. In Romans 6 and verse 4, Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. How was Jesus raised up from the dead? By the glory of the Father. The Shekinah glory that was in that Ark of the Covenant there in Solomon's temple in the Holies of Holies departed, went back up to glory or back up to heaven and was awaiting to raise up Jesus from the dead. And he was raised up by the glory of the Father who brought him up, praise God, from death unto life. Fifty days after his resurrection, 
On the day of Pentecost, there were 120 individuals with hungry hearts. And that same Shekinah glory manifested itself in cloven tongues like as a fire and sat upon each and every one of them who became a temple of the Most High God, housing the Shekinah glory of God. And that presence, that power, that glory of God then began to disperse around the world. It started in Jerusalem, and then it moved to Judea, and then Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth, until it traveled, praise God, to the United States of America, and right here in this locality where we live, you see, the glory of God is manifested in people, and because people would cover the earth, and they would be born again, and spirit-filled, and receive the glory from on high in their innermost being, as they became a temple of the Most High God, they would be carriers of the glory around the world, and they would cover the earth. And praise God, aren't you glad you're a part of the, of the fulfillment of that prophecy, that you are a temple of the Most High God? The glory of God is on the inside of you, and you're a carrier of that glory everywhere you go. So the whole earth is being covered with the presence of the glory of Almighty God, how in you and in me and through all of us. So thank God we're a part of that prophecy. And what does it do? Well, we already saw what it does. It resurrected Jesus from the dead. It transforms human lives. It heals the sick. It delivers. It sets the captives free. It accomplishes the purpose of, of God here upon the earth and does what natural man cannot do. It does what human intelligence cannot do. It goes beyond a reason. It transcends it. And no matter what power there is existing upon planet earth, it can be no match for the power of the glory of Almighty God. Beloved, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is a supernatural, not a natural church. We are a spirit-empowered church. We are a glory-filled church. The power of God is on the inside of us. And you know what? If we reject or if we turn away from this presence of the glory of God and the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the church is reduced to being powerless and operating in its own strength. It just becomes another religious institution and organization. But praise God, you and I know that there's a whole lot more for us to experience in God. And we know that we have on the inside of us the glory of God that raised up Jesus from the dead. And we can all be carriers of it in just a moment. We'll see that. But tapping into the glory. How are we going to tap into the glory of God in this day in which we live? As I said Sunday morning, it could be this fall feast that Jesus comes in the clouds in the rapture of the church and takes us away. And I want us all to be prepared, praise God, for that coming of our Lord. Don't you want to be ready? Don't you want to be prepared? Which is why we talked about our needs to prioritize our lives. Walk in, in the fear of the Lord and be humble before God. And be known as a servant of the Most High God as we live our lives here upon the earth. Not for ourselves, but for Him. And then by faith we tap into the glory of God that raised up Jesus from the dead. Desire it is number one. Do you want it bad enough? Do we want it bad enough as a congregation, as a people? Look, if we want to reach the people of the community around about us where God has placed us, thank God for all the programs in the world. But I'm going to tell you something right now. It starts on our knees, on our faces before God and humbling ourselves before Him and letting Him know it's only His power that can break through all the, the darkness that holds people in captivity and bondage, whether it's religious traditions, traditions of men, doctrines of devils, and so on. Oh, thank God, the power of God is greater than any power, any force upon this earth. Some people will never come out of that darkness of religious traditions and doctrines of devils 
until the power of God is displayed on their, uh, uh, for, for, them, uh, for them to see. We have to desire it. Moses desired to see the glory. I want to put that in all of our heart. Do you desire it like he did? Look at Exodus chapter 33 and verse 18. And they shall hearken to thy voice, and thou shalt come, and thou shalt, the elders of Israel, unto the king of Egypt. That's supposed to be 33. Sorry about that. I didn't, I missed that one in there. No, it's, it's 33, isn't it? 3318. That was 318. We'll get it. Exodus 33:18, and he said, I beseech thee. In other words, I am begging you, show me your glory. Say that with me. Show me your glory, Lord. Oh, hallelujah. I want to see your glory. Look at Psalm 63. This is David. That was Moses. This is David. Moses was not satisfied. He wanted to see the presence of the glory of Almighty God. O oh God, thou art my God. Early will I seek thee. My soul thirsts for thee. My flesh longs for thee in the dry and thirsty land where no water is to see thy power and thy glory. So as I have seen thee, where did he see the power and the glory of God? In the sanctuary. He saw it before. He wants to see it again. He's now denied it because he's not near the sanctuary, but he, want, he longs for it. He desires it as in a dry and thirsty land. In a parched place where he has nothing to drink, but he so longs for it. He aches for it. His heart is yearning for it. Oh, beloved, you know what we have going against us in the United States of America? We have everything at our fingertips and everything at our disposal. We've got a remedy for this, a remedy for that. And as a result, it reduces a person's true desire to really experience the presence and the power and the glory of Almighty God and to do what it takes to experience that power on, an, on a daily basis. But he is saying, I want to see your glory. Moses says, I want to see your glory and your power like I've never seen it before. And that should be a heart hunger that we all have. Well, guess what? We don't just want to see the glory of God. We have something beyond what they had. They could see it. But you know what? You and I could become carriers of it. Let me show that to you. Look at Romans 8, 11. What raised up Jesus from the dead? The glory of the Father. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal body by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Oh, what a verse. The spirit of him that raised Jesus from the dead. He was raised by the glory of the Father. And if the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, which was by the glory of the Father, then the glory of the Father is in all of us who is born again and spirit-filled. We've got the Shekinah glory of God in us. And he is in us to quicken our mortal bodies and to do a mighty work. But look at also 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Look at verses 6 and 7. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness had shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of what did Habakkuk say would cover the earth? The knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. He has shined in our hearts the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels or jars of clay that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. It's time to say, wow. We have got the very glory that raised Jesus from the dead dwelling on the inside of us. 
and he is dwelling there to quicken our mortal bodies and give them life. He is there to transform our lives. He is there to empower us to be vessels of honor, meat prepared for the master's use to do what? The works of him that sent us. To do the works of Jesus who said the works I do shall you do also because I'm going to my Father. So in other words, it's a supernatural work. It's above natural work. It's way above the, the natural powers of this earth. And we all have it. We all embrace it. But you know what? We've got to be taught so that we know we have it. And then desire to have it manifest in us and through us. How? By faith. So with this manifestation of the glory of God, if you're like a Smith Wigglesworth... I remember one time him talking about he's walking on a train. It was a passenger train back then. He's walking on a train and he's walking to find his seat. And someone runs up to him and gets on his knees and says, Your presence convicts me of my sin. Pray for me. Can you imagine that? You talk about a carrier of the glory of God. Your presence convicts me of sin. Now, I don't put myself in that class at all. But I have the same glory inside me. And when I was at school working at Quick Trip, I was minding my own business behind the register, just doing my own thing, watching over the store, and this group came in. Those places got robbed all the time. And I'll tell you, this group of young people came in, and they were just cussing up a storm somewhere that I didn't even know existed. Didn't even know. And finally, the one fellow just walked over to me and just stood up and looked at me and said, are you a Rama student by any chance? I said, yeah, why? We're so sorry. We were talking like that. Now, how would he know that? How would he know that? The fellow was convicted for the way they were speaking, the way they were talking. But I just said, that's okay. Don't be concerned about me. Who am I? But someone else heard you. God did. Number two, believe for it. Remember John 11, verse 40? Are we believing for it? This is an active faith. Active faith. Am I believing to see the glory of God? Jesus saith unto her, said I not unto thee, that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God. We believe to see, we desire it, and we believe to see it. Where are you going tonight on a Wednesday evening? I am going to church. Why are you going to church? I'm believing to see the glory of Almighty God manifest in me and through me. And when the body of Christ gathers together as we are here tonight and everybody brings their glory into the house of the Lord, it'll blanket this place until the cloud, which is glory, just the heaviness of God is here upon us and among us in such a way that should there be sinners that would come in, they'd run up to the altar just to get saved because of the conviction that would be upon their souls. Isn't that a good thing? You wouldn't even have to talk to them too much. In John 7, and no, notice this here. We can have this glory in us. We can be a carrier of the glory of God. But you know what? First, we have to receive it. We have to receive it. If you're born again, that's wonderful. You have the life and nature of God in you. You're a temple of God. But you have to receive the Shekinah glory. That's a separate work of the Spirit. In the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come to me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the Scripture said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake of he that the Spirit which believe on him should receive. They should what? Receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. So believers should receive the Holy Ghost. And why wouldn't we want to? Why wouldn't we not want to receive the same power that came from on high, that filled those 120 in the upper room, that 
the, imparted to their spirits the Shekinah glory of Almighty God. It's similar back to the Old Testament when the temple was built and also back before that when the tabernacle existed and they offered up a burnt sacrifice and then the fire of God came down from heaven. There was the dwelling place of God there in, in, in the Ark of the Covenant, but God answered by fire and the fire came down after the sacrifice was made. When you and I accept Christ as our Savior and Lord, we become the temple of God. But then when we ask God to fill us with the Holy Ghost and receive the Holy Ghost and power, the Shekinah glory, praise God, enters into our being and as a result, everywhere we go, we're covering the earth with the presence of the glory of God. Every one of us as a part of it. Look at the next one. This is a goodie. You know we can pray for it. Look at Psalm 72. This is David in prayer. Blessed be the God of, be the Lord God, the God of Israel, who only doeth wondrous things. I like that, don't you? That's all he does. What's your God do wondrous things? Just absolutely wondrous things. And blessed be his glorious name forever. And let the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen. And amen. The prayers of David, the son of Jesse, are ended. What was his prayer? That the whole earth would be filled with the glory of God. Oh, my prayer tonight, my brother and my sister is that this whole locality would be filled with the glory of God. That there would be a blanket of the glory of God, praise God, just hovering over us in heaviness. I mean to tell you that this property, when people drive on it, when people walk on it, they can be convicted of their sin just by being on the premise, on the property here. Amen. Look, if it could be that kind of life changing from without, how much more can it change lives from within? When we recognize and we acknowledge that we've got this glory on, of God on the inside of us, which was the whole reason for saving us, to make us his sons and daughters, to empower us, to equip us, to be his vessels upon the earth. How much more can he do when we're committed? Next, number four. Prepare for it. Prepare for it. In Second Chronicles in chapter 5. It came to pass when the priests were come out of the holy place. For all the priests that were present were sanctified. Part of the preparation starts here. Sanctified. And did not then wait by course. Also the Levites, which were the singers. And all them of Asaph and Heman and Jejethun with their sons and their brethren being arrayed in white linen, that's number two, they were purified, having cymbals and psalteries and harps stood at the east end of the altar. And with them 120 priests sounding with trumpets, it came to pass as the trumpeters and singers were as one to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals, and instruments of music, and praise the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. That then the house was filled with the cloud, even the house of the Lord, so that the priest could not stand to minister by reason of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord had filled the house of God. Notice what preparation involves. They were set apart. In other words, they had a specific thing to do. How many of you know that every one of us is to be sanctified? To sanctify means to set apart. 
Your life is set apart for God. My life is set apart for God. We are set apart to love God. We are set apart to walk with God. We are set apart to live by faith. We are set apart to love as he loved us. We are set apart to forgive as he has forgiven us. Sanctified. To see to it that our lives and minds are renewed by the word of God. So we are set apart for God. And that's why we're here tonight because we're set apart for God. But then they were purified. In other words, their heart motives and desires were proper. Oh, they loved God genuinely with all sincerity and all truth. Their hearts just wanted to fellowship with God and walk with God and honor God. They were purified in their motives and their desires, not for any personal thing, but to give all the glory and honor and praise to the living God for who he is and all that he's done for them. And so they would come together being sanctified, being purified with right motives of heart. And then they were in unity or unified. It says that they were in unity with all the instruments of music and the praisers and the, all the praise team, the worship team, the instruments of music. That means they join themselves together and say, look, let's set aside any differences that, that we might have that might even exist. That's nothing more than the enemy trying to bring confusion. And where there's confusion, there's every evil work. We are wanting to gather together to be of one heart, one mind, one accord, saying the same thing, minding the same thing. And what is that one thing? We would see the glory of God. We would see the awesome power of God on display. Beloved, I believe we can get to a place where the blanket of God's glory is here in this place in such a way that even people that are diagnosed with terminal diseases, without anybody even praying for them, they disappear as the glory of God just manifests and touches their lives and touches their bodies and sets them free. If it can drive someone to to the altar on their knees, it can also heal the physical body and set people free. It can restore relationships. It could do so much more if God's people would just give place to his presence and power and just say, Lord, we want you to have your way, not ours. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 18 because this verse also helps us prepare. But we all with open face, beholding as in a glass, the glory of the Lord. We are looking into the word of God to see who we are, how the song we sang, I am what you say I am, I am what you made me, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. What's he saying? As we learn who we are more and more in Christ, we have this revelation, that revelation, little by little, here a little, there a little. What happens? We are changed from one degree of glory to the next degree of glory. If we are satisfied with the glory that we already have, and have no longing desire to change and become more glorious in in the things of God, then we won't. We'll be stagnant and stay where we're at. But if we have a desire, praise God, to be changed from glory to glory, as we look into the Word of God and say, this is what Jesus looks like, this is what He said I should look like. And I commit myself to walking in that greater glory of God in my life. Anybody want it? We can have it. It's ours. And then finally, and this one is scary, I will admit it. Respect it. Respect it. You know what? It blesses my heart to see how you all came to this altar tonight. And when we sense the heaviness of the glory of God, did you sense it? I know I sensed it. There was reverence. You've heard me say before, I want the real, not the fake smoke. I want the real smoke. I want the real glory of God in manifestation because it can take off and do much more than what we can do but we got to cooperate with it by faith 
but we respect it. Look in the book of Leviticus chapter 10, and this is why we respect the presence and power of the glory of God. And Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, took either of them his censer and put fire therein and put incense thereon and offered strange fire before the Lord, which he commanded them not. And there went out fire from the Lord and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, this is that the Lord spake, saying, I will be sanctified in them that come near me. And before all the people, I will be glorified. And Aaron held his peace. It's almost as if you would say, if we're asking for the greater glory and our God is a consuming fire, do we really know what we're asking for? Because what we're asking for is dangerous. Fire can be dangerous to play with, can it not? And the same thing with the glory of God, the presence of the glory of God. We want to be sure we're sanctified and set apart. Go to Acts chapter 5, and you can see it here. Here we have the church in its inception, its initial, let's say, years. And everybody sold their properties, and they brought back the money to the apostles and said, this is what we got, our, you know, got for our property. And they began to share equally all things. But Peter said to Ananias and Sapphira, who came and lied about what they sold their property for. And Peter said to Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart? to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land while it remained was it not thine own and after it was sold was it not in thine own power why have you conceived this thing in your heart but you've not lied to men but unto God and Ananias hearing those words fell down and gave up the ghost and people were kind of upset, a little fear. No great fear came on all them that heard these things. And the young men arose, wound him up, and carried him out and buried him. But let that sink in just for a moment. Wow. Let's read on, verse 7. And it was about the space of three hours. After when his wife, not knowing what was done, came in, Peter answered unto her, Tell me whether you sold the land for so much. Well, yeah, yeah, for so much. Hmm. And then Peter said to her, How is it that you have agreed together to tempt the spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of them which have buried thy husband are at the door and shall carry thee out. Then she fell down straightway at his feet and yielded up the ghost. And the young men came in and found her dead and carrying her forth, buried her by her husband. And great fear came upon all the church and upon as many as heard these things. What a manifestation of God. If he removes his hand, that's it. I know it seems like harsh punishment, but the church was in its beginning stages and judgment fell upon them for lying to the Holy Ghost. And that's what they got, death. So, 
Can you imagine if we come together with that holy awe of God? And we truly have that same longing desire that Moses and David had. And not just to have that manifested presence in us, but also among us, like a cloud, like smoke, just like a blanket covering this whole region round about us. You know what? If there can be evil in the atmosphere in which we live, which we know there is, there can be glory. And who's responsible to bring the glory? We are. Look at Hebrews chapter 12, and we'll close with this. You're not coming to the mount that might be touched and that burned with fire, nor into blackness and darkness and tempest, and the sound of a trumpet, and the voice of words which voice they that heard entreated that the word should not be spoken to them anymore. For they could not endure that which was commanded. And if so much as a beast touch the mountain, it shall be stoned or thrust through with a dart. And so terrible was the sight that Moses said, I exceedingly fear and quake. Imagine that. The thunders, the lightnings, the presence of God, the power of God. But we haven't come to that. No. We've come to Mount Sion and into the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect, thank God, by the blood, and to Jesus the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. See that you refuse not him that speaketh, for if they escape who, not who refused him that spake on earth, much more shall, they, we, shall not we escape if we turn away from him that speaks from heaven. Whose voice then shook the earth, but now he hath promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not the earth only, but also heaven. And this word, yet once more, signifieth the removing of those things that are shaken, as of things that are made, that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Wherefore, receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace, whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear, for our God is a consuming fire. Hallelujah. We've come to the fullness of the greatness of the glory of God. There was limited glory in the old covenant, but praise God, the greater glory is upon us and among us. And that glory, I believe, if we'll acknowledge it, can work in our lives to transform us from the inside out. You know, we struggle with this, we struggle with that. Well, it's time to start saying, Lord, burn up the chaff from my life. The glory that raised up Jesus from the dead is dwelling in me. Quicken me. Hallelujah. Change me from glory to glory. Impart to me whatever I need. Empower me. Equip me. Help me. Burn up the chaff that I can be refined from the refiner's fire and walk in holiness and truth. Hallelujah. Praise God. Are we all together on this? Do we want to see the greater glory of God manifested among us? Well, let's all stand together before the Lord.